You're listening to Your Credit Today with your host, Angela Setters-Vassar, sponsored by Conquer Credit Management. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you are listening to this show, this is A to the N to the G, Angela Setters-Vassard, and you're listening to Your Credit Today. I have an amazing guest, but before I get to him, you know that I always have to take care of a little housekeeping. If you have not subscribed to this show, please do so. Just hit that subscribe button. Tell all your friends and family about all the amazing tips and information that you're learning from this voice here. You know, I always like to start with a little new and I think that it is timing right now. Credit reporting during this time, people are calling me in herds. They want to know what's going to happen to their credit during this time. Well, friends, what we know right now is that if you've been a victim of the pandemic, meaning that your income has come to a screeching halt, there are measures that you can take to protect your credit. Maintain good relationships with your creditors and defer payments for a period of time if you have to which is the operative word here. However, what we always have to remember is that everything comes at a cost. So please make sure that you're truly a victim and that you're not just uh -uh, looking for a break of paying your obligations. There are real people out there that need real help. And let's do our part to support the economy and keep making our payments as we can. Also keep in mind that although the CARES Act protects reporting measures during this time, there is nothing guaranteeing that your bank or financial institution has to keep extending you credit and the same benefits if you take one of these deferments. So if you're not a victim, you could be giving up your rewards, long-standing payment history, and relationships with the banks. Banks have to protect their interests and consider all risks at hand. So remember this when carefully calculating your plan. And as we've talked about in past shows, if you don't have a plan, then whoops, what are you doing? You're planning to fail. So consumerfinance.gov is reporting the recently passed Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security CARES Act places special requirements on companies that report your payment information to credit reporting companies. These requirements apply if you're affected by the corona disease pandemic and if your creditor makes an agreement called an accommodation in the act with you to defer a payment, make partial payments, forbear a delinquency, modify a loan, or otherwise. Friends, just make sure, like we've talked about in past shows, if you're going to practice this, if this is something that you're going to do, make sure that you get agreements from all of your creditors. And remember that during March, First of 2020 all the way right now to June of 2020, no creditor or financial institution can report anything negative on your credit history. We don't know what will happen after that time, but if you've been delinquent before that, unfortunately, that delinquency can continue to report. So I have an amazing guest on my show today. Um, I have a question for all of you. Do you think you're too young to retire? Do you make plans for your winter years or do you just leave it up to happenstance? Do you understand how to invest your wealth? Well, my next guest is not only a friend, a leader, and a mentor to many, but our four-star general in the world of wealth management. His wisdom, experience, and true grit are what I admire the most. He's quick, sharp, and a game changer of the true meaning of a conqueror, fit for the race to help his clients win. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome my friend who is known as the man who has his eye on your money, Jeffrey Fratacongeli. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Angela. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be a part of uh, what you do and something I've been a part of for now for, I think, about 20 years. Um, yeah. help, you helping my clients on certain aspects of their credit. And so being, being a part of this is uh, something I'm very uh, motivated to be so. Absolutely. And while you have a ton of accomplishments, one of the things that I wanted to mention is that you've been named by Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor 2020, ranking number three Barons as top 100 independent financial advisors in 2019, also by Forbes as one of America's top 250 wealth advisors in 2017, 2018, and 2019. So you've got some pretty great accomplishments. I am really excited to have you on this show. Now, this show, Jeffrey, is about educating people, building up leaders, strong firms, and how we learn what we grow through. So I have some questions for you. What inspired you to take on the world of economics? Well, I've been doing this now going on 28 years. And, and prior to getting into this industry, I was, uh, I was a student, right? I, um, I'm fortunate enough to have the opportunity to play soccer at, at the division one collegiate level. And after I got to that level, I realized fairly quickly that that wasn't going to take me much further as I had a lot of heart, but I didn't have quite the talent to take us um, to a, another level beyond college. So I had to start figuring out what my next identity was going to be. And uh, being uh, a little bit stronger in the in the math aspect of, of education. I was in the business program at uh, my undergrad, and with good guidance from parents, I was in the finance field. I started navigating some internships uh, and had an opportunity to do a internship at Merrill Lynch back in the early nineties. Oh. Yeah, and within uh, I'd say a, a semester or even maybe less, I knew pretty quickly this was something that I could have a, a very strong passion for. Um, you know, it applied to everyone, including my own parents. Uh, one of the things I did was after, and mind you, this was back to the early 90s when uh, there was a transition occurring. There was pension plans or those old school plans that the companies really took uh, the the uh, uh, took the lead, if you will, on investing for clients that, or excuse me, employees that would uh, retire at some point, that they would pay them a monthly uh, income for the rest of their lives. That was transitioning to the self-directed, company-sponsored 401ks or similar uh, plans like that, that the employees now had to elect to, to put money away towards retirement in a very tax-efficient manner, and then as well invested appropriate. So all of a sudden, it, the investing world went from being only people with high net worth to everyone having to make some decisions as it relates to their retirement and their investments. And so my timing was really uh, in line to the fact that people needed advice. And so knowing that to be the case, I went home to my folks and I said, hey, dad, are you taking advantage of the 401k offered to you at Ford Motor Company, uh, local to us in Metro Detroit? My dad kind of looked at me with a kind of a deer in headlights stare. And I realized pretty quickly uh, I needed to get involved with my parents, making sure they were doing the right thing so that they could be in the driver's seat and be able to retire at some point. So very quickly, Angela, I had a passion for helping people and it started there and it hasn't ended yet. So. Wow, what an inspiring story. Now, did you were your parents um very frugal? Did they teach you any type of uh money tricks? 
per se? Now, you know, it's interesting. It, it, you know, my parents did a, a really good, nice job in my uh, biased opinion, raising my older brother and my younger sister. They were really hands-on, very involved in all their sports and such. But, you know, it's kind of weird. Mo- talking about money, for whatever reason, in the in the American household is just not something that ne- is necessarily a comfortable topic. And so it just really wasn't um, talked about as much as I think it should be and educating young people of what they should be cognizant of. And um, But my parents were really focused on us kids and everything they did was surrounding making sure that we had you know, the, the advantages that uh, thankfully today I have to go out there and, and really make an impact and, and raise a family similar to uh, what they did, but also have the financial aspects to do so. So I don't know if that answers your question, Andrew. No, it definitely answers my question. And it just confirms that, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the times we learn by default or, you know, we're on the beaten path like you were. You were so, uh, pa- you had so much passion to understand this that you've been one of the lucky ones. But a lot of people that I talked to, unfortunately, learned by default because they didn't learn from their parents or someone in their family. So um, uh, kudos to you. So let's talk about another question that I have just keeping in step with this. Can you tell us a little bit about the why in your life? I mean, what keeps you motivated? Because one of the things that I know about you is that you are Superman motivation. And anytime I talk to you, you know, I have this, I feel that we have the same spirit. We're quick minded. And um, I just, you know, I have so much respect for your motivation, but tell me a little bit about that and where you get that from. That's a great question. Um, well, listen, helping people at the end of the day, whether it's financial planning or guiding and counseling them to make the right financial decisions to be able to retire or whatever it is their goal might be, our job is to help people. Our, our job, the reason we're on this earth, in my very strong opinion, is to help people that need it. And so that's one, helping people. I really do. And I hope it come across that way. And I certainly get up every day and our team does as well to help treat people the way we want to be treated. So that's definitely a why. Uh, and then, listen, I'm competitive. And I think one of the reasons I enjoy hiring athletes and as well military people is because, you know, listen, we get knocked down in life and we and we have to get back up. And I feel like the preparation, whether it be military or in my case, athletics, um, striving to get to that next level, being competitive and knowing that you, you sometimes the best uh, way of learning something is to get knocked down or have a mistake occur. And, and wow. for me, um, I, I just, I'm a very competitive individual and, and, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I have the ability to shake off some things that maybe, um, for example, this market today, I mean, you know, maybe 30 years ago when I got into this business, I'd be hiding under my desk, not anymore. We're out in front of this and we're really motivated to help people make this, this decisions today that are going to alter the way things ultimately play out to their objectives. And so I think the competitiveness and the caring part are really two very strong attributes that I believe you need in every environment, and especially in the in the, in the business field that I'm in, which is managing and helping guide and counsel clients. Well, obviously you get the job done and your clients know your motivation and um, you show up and you show out and you show up strong. So I'm happy to hear that um, we share the same sentiment as far as motivation is concerned. The last question I'm going to ask about you personally is the best advice that you've ever received from someone and how did that help you in your career? What rings in your ears that that particular person said to you that you remember? Well, there's many, um, you know, and there's many folks that, that have I've been fortunate enough to have in my life going all the way back to as far back as I can remember. And uh, 
and, and as well as recently, but there's one in particular that seems to come back pretty consistently. And it was, it was made uh, a comment made to me by an ex uh, professional athlete, a major league baseball player who I fortunately enough uh, have had the benefit of working with and helping his family with their investments. And um, I'll show you who that gentleman is and you'll know him probably, especially those out in the West coast of this country. Um, And he said to me something um, uh, going back, I want to say a good 15 years ago. And he said, get comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. If you can, if you can overcome that, uh, you know, and being comfortable in, in very uncomfortable situations that life's life, will present to you if it hasn't already. And I think it probably will every day. Um, you, there's nothing you can't overcome. And that particular tip was brought to me by a gentleman that you may or may not know by the name of Kurt Gibson. And you mm. may recall in 1988 in LA, when he was pit, when he was the last batter um, with two outs um, playing again in the world series against the Oakland athletics. And they were down four to three. And, uh, Kirk Gibson had two bad legs, one bad knee and a hamstring that was torn. And he hit a home run, two run home run to win the game. And they went on the win to world series. And there's an example of someone who had to be feeling that that overcame it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, friends, I hope you're hearing that out there, uh, on these podcast waves about making sure that you don't find comfort in your discomfort or the other way around. (laughs) So (laughs) let me, uh, ask you another question in view of the current market conditions, what is the best type of portfolio allocation for long-term strategies? Well, the first thing I have to say, especially in these uncertain times, and you know, it's interesting as well, you hear comments, and granted, it's been three decades I've been doing this, and there's been multiple, multiple environments where we've, we've had a market correction, if not crash or a recession, and every single time, the same comments made, this is different. It's different this time. This time is way different than the last time. You know what? You're right. It is different. It always is different. And if it wasn't, then wouldn't we learn from the last time it happened? Wouldn't, it would be nothing if it was the same. But I'll tell you this, as much as this di- it's, it's different, it's the same. Okay? It's the same. Really? Absolutely. You have to have enough liquidity to overcome these scenarios. So first and foremost, you need to know what portion of your net worth and your wealth that you're going to need in the next two years. Money that you know, whether it's your survival number on a monthly basis times, say, 12, or if it's I'm going to buy another home or my son or daughter is getting married or I have this specific event I need to pay for, know exactly what liquidity you need. Because if you have to sell a long-term investment like equities or a house in an environment like this, I don't need to tell you how that ends. That's a fire sale. You're not going to get the price that it's worth or should be worth. You're going to sell it at whatever anyone's going to pay you at that time, which is not going to be good. So number one, make sure you have enough liquidity. Then if you have that covered, especially in an environment like this, be more conservative and having more than you might need. Once you have that area covered, then it's okay. I have this other discretionary money that I know with a high degree of certainty I will not need. And in that case, we can start looking at the proper way to invest that money. Obviously, equities and ownership in stocks, uh, which has been under extreme pressure these last two months. Uh, Oh, yeah, today we're having a good day. But in general, we've had as much of a 10,000 point drop in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And guess what? If you sold two weeks ago at, say, 18 or 19,000 on the Dow, as we sit here today, we're north of 24,000. You would have sold and missed the, the partial recovery that I think still has many legs to it um, that we're going to f- 
participate in and getting back to where we were prior to this COVID pandemic. Um, and if you sold, you're done. You're not recovering, I can assure you. And if mm. you you're going to get in and wait, wait it out and get in before it goes back up. I'm here to tell you three decades of this type of environment of volatility, you will not. It'll, it'll, it will not happen. You have to stay the course and you have to invest in companies that are quality businesses, that have quality balance sheets, and that have you have a sell discipline in place for those long-term investments in case there's reason why that company is no longer the strength that you uh, had originally invested in. So to answer your question, Angela, have enough cash to ride out the storm, because if you sell at the bottom, I can assure you, you're not going to recover. Don't react or panic sell. Okay. Mm -hmm. So don't get too aggressive and don't panic and have fear to make your decision for you. Try to get comfortable in an uncomfortable situation and make the decisions that are going to change the outcome to your benefit long-term. Because if you don't, I'm here to tell you, you will not meet your goals as well as you could have. So would you say that's one of the biggest mistakes that you see people make with their money and their investments? Without question, Angela, without question, unfortunately. And it just absolutely kills me to watch it happen. And those of you out there that I might have had the benefit of working for currently, you know how passionate I am about you having a plan, sticking to that plan, and do not allow fear or greed to make your decisions for you. Set aside the emotion and stick to the plan and be laser focused on that plan and have folks around you like Angela and someone like us that cares and is going to give you good guidance. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess that would, um, you know, segue into the next question about actually having a plan. You know, we've had in our past shows, I keep telling uh, my listeners that if you don't have a plan, then you plan to fail. And it's very important to have a financial plan. Can you tell us about that? Well, I, th I think, you know, putting it and and I can share in a more detailed description and guide folks of how to read up on exactly what I'm going to kind of put into a very direct and cut through the many details that come with it. But number one, know where you're at today. I call it point A. Where are we at today? What does our financial picture look like? One, what does it cost us to live our lives and take care of our loved ones on a monthly basis after taxes? Two, what is my income? What am I making? Okay. And what is that fixed cost of life subtracted from my after-tax income? What does that leave me with? What's that discretionary amount above and beyond my survival number? What is that number? Three, what am I going to do with that discretionary income? By having a plan and knowing exactly what your budget is, know exactly what your income is with variances, of course, and, and everyone has a bit of a difference in what their income is and potential bonuses, know what those differences are and be conservative, identify what is that discretionary amount and monitor what we're going to do with that money? How are we going to put it away? Are we going to max out our company sponsored plans that are offered to us like uh, the 401k plan or 403b plan or any type of um, retirement plan that's being offered by uh, the employer that we work for or if we own our business that we can offer? Max that out. Absolutely. First and foremost. Why? Because that money goes in at a very special tax treatment, which is pre-tax. In other words, you get an immediate match or you get to invest the entire amount before Uncle Sam gets his cut. So anywhere from 20 to 40% of the money that would be taken from us when we would get our paychecks and go to the government in a, in a form of a, pay, uh, a tax now goes to work for us 100%. So that's a huge advantage. And I can assure you any advisor out there isn't going to be able to give you an immediate 20 to 40% benefit 
like that. So that's one, the first thing that you want to make sure that you're maxing out, especially for those long-term goals like retirement. And then if you're fortunate enough to have an additional amount of discretionary income, we can start looking at other ways to invest, but it's all going to be predicated on what those objectives are, which I refer to as point B. What are our goals? Point A is where we're at today. We talked a little bit about that. Point B is going to be our goals. Your goals might be buying a second home. Your goals might be paying off student debt. Your goals may be paying for your child's education. Your goal may be financial freedom. Whatever those goals are, let's identify them and let's create a roadmap to those objectives and let's take the least amount of risk necessary to get to those goals and let's create a process of monitoring them. So a little bit cutting through some of the details, Angela, but those are the big components that I think uh, without question folks need to take advantage of. And it goes back to when I learned the business a little bit back in the early 90s and I asked my father, what are you doing to take advantage of this new self-directed, they called it an SSIP back then with Ford Motor Company and my dad didn't even know what I was talking about. So obviously getting into the first step. Well, I have to say that you just broke that down like a shotgun, pa-pow. So that was awesome. Thank you so much for that. Now, you just talked about some tax strategies. And can you speak on some ways to optimize tax-deferred assets and accounts and discuss ways to balance your overall portfolio allocation with tax deferral? Well, you know, you look at each investment that you have in its own unique way. So if it is for retirement, and let's say that you're in your, say, late 30s, early 30s, early 40s, or whatever it is that says that you have a period of time longer than five years, and in many cases, substantially longer than even that, to invest and allow your money to grow, like a 401k or a retirement plan that's typically going to be long-term, we can take more risk, or we can invest in equities in those categories, because guess what? The market is going to correct typically every three to five years, at least in my 30 years, it's been that way. And if we are going to need the money within that five-year period, we can't take that risk that when we need the money, the market's at a low point. But if we know this money's not going to be needed for well over five years, who cares if the money market goes down 20, 30%? Guess what? If you get comfortable in that uncomfortable situation, you realize that, hey, guys, This is on sale. Now I can go buy these companies for a third the price of what I would have had to pay before this overreaction. So those Mm. of us that have a long-term time horizon, these are opportunities, not the opposite. It's so interesting to me, Angela, when I talk to people out there and I say, what did you do during the 08 and 09 correction? Well, their answer, unfortunately, is I stopped contributing to my 401k because I got nervous. Let's Mm. think about that. The market back in 08 and 09, hit a bottom on March of 09. And if you could go back today on March of 09, March 2009, and buy those same companies at those prices, guess how many of us with a little bit of logic would have jumped all over that today? 100% of us. Yet the same situation going back in time, investors decided to stop saving. Mm. The opposite of what you should be doing. It's on sale. And I can wow. tell you this, my wife loves sales and she takes advantage of them all the time. <laughs> Don't all we can... all? <laughs> so the point is, is that it goes back to getting comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. And guess what, folks? If you're not uncomfortable now, you never will be. So this well, is the time to learn. This is something we need. This is not just an obstacle. It's an opportunity. 
And if we're absolutely surrounding yes. yourself with people like Angela and hopefully advisors that care about it as much as we do, you're going to be put in a much better position to make those decisions. Absolutely. Wow. That was spot on. So, you know, Jeff, this is a credit show too. So let me ask you a question. How important would you say that during this time it would be to have good credit? Oh, first of all, I haven't found a time where it wasn't important. And okay. I, I refer people to you on a daily basis, you know, and I thank you so much for now 25 years, you taking care of them just the way I would have hoped, right? I just had a young lady, very unfortunate situation, just the sweetest lady, unfortunately lost her seven-year-old son to cancer, oh, no. heartbreaking, heartbreaking. And we at uh, Frederick Conjley Wealth Management here attached to Wells Fargo, we have minimums that we take on as clients. This particular young young lady, it didn't matter. She had $10. We were helping her. And the first thing that I uncovered was she couldn't buy a car or a house because her credit was all messed up because she had to take off work when her son had cancer to take care of him and missed a number of payments. And so the first thing I did is I got Angela Setters on the phone and I said, you need to meet Angela. She's going to get you squared away and you do everything she says, period. And that, you know, that that situation um, is, you know, is the reason why we align to, to, to folks like yourself. And yeah, so in that in that young lady's position now, she she fortunately got a lump sum settlement due to the um, very unfortunate death of her son because of malpractice. She now has the assets, but she doesn't have the credit. And what we're going to do is we're going to get her credit tight because right now with interest rates as low as they are, or at least zero percent at least payments going on. Um, I don't want her just using her cash. I want Absolutely. her using the credit market. And Angela, there's no doubt in my mind within six months or less, you're going to get her that ability. Absolutely. And and this is what I'm telling people all the time. Now more than ever going forward, even before it was, but now going forward, what we want to do is, you know, credit is an investment tool to build wealth. And the thing is, is that we can use credit as leverage and specifically going forward, if you have cash at all possible, you want to keep it in your pocket and use the bank's money going forward is what I hear you saying. Without question. Without question, especially at a younger age. Now, if I'm approaching retirement or within a couple of years, maybe at that point, regardless of interest rates, I want to carry less debt. Okay. But if we're in our accumulation phase, what does that mean? We're accumulating wealth so that we can have the financial freedom of not having to work if we choose to. If you're accumulating wealth and you can borrow money at very, very compelling rates, like for example, today I just talked to a gentleman, he got a 30 year mortgage at three and a half percent. And if he under the threshold of the law that we can deduct, he gets to deduct and his wife and him get to deduct the interest on that mortgage. So the real true cost of money is closer to 2%. And if you can't have a long-term strategy that grows your assets at better than 2%, something's wrong. So we want to take advantage of in our accumulation phase, our money working for us as, as hard as it can be, because we have the time horizon and the earning potential to take advantage of it. So credit Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So I have one more question for you, and this will be my last question. Um, Do you have an example from the business world where you were faced with some adversity? Um, Tell us how you handled that adversity. How did you grow through that situation instead of, you know, I always tell my listeners, we don't go through anything, we grow through it. Well, I think the most recent hurdle and, and real obstacle that I, I was facing was in the very very recent example where investors that we were in charge of, that we put together very strategic, very detailed plans that we were monitoring on a consistent basis, 
that at the darkest moments wanted to sell. They wanted out. They wanted to sell their long-term investments of companies regardless of their strengths and the reasons we bought them in the first place. They just had enough. And we call that in our industry capitulation. If you haven't heard about it, you will soon. And that is when investors say, I don't care if it's the biggest, strongest company in the world. I want my money back. And the problem with that is if you have the proper strategy, you have the appropriate amount of liquidity to ride out the scenario, and you then still choose to sell, as I mentioned earlier today, you're done. You will never recover. There's no recovering if you're on the sidelines. And if you think that I have a crystal ball and I'm going to be able to guide you as to when to get back in and beat the fact that the market will recover too quick for such, I'm going to tell you right now, as strong as I think we are and as much as we care, I will not. For example, mm. today, the market's up 700 points, 704 points to be exact, 3%. Do you think I knew that when I woke up this morning, the market was going to close up 700 points? Absolutely not. Do you think we knew that Gilead was going to come out with a drug that looks like it's going to combat this pandemic and this virus? Absolutely not. So you think mm -hmm. that anyone's going to have the ability to make those quick reactions and jump back on that bus before it takes off? Unfortunately, it doesn't work. I've been doing it three decades. I can only tell you it's never worked. So why try now? Wow. Wow. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, not only for your friendship and your partnership, for your wisdom that you have brought to our show today. Friends and fans out there, um, please go to Jeffrey Fraticangeli's Managing Financial Advisor, Fraticangeli Wealth Management. He's got his eye on your money. This is A to the N to the G. You're listening to Your Credit Today, and Angela and Jeff are out.